Thank you for tuning in to the Educational Leadership Podcast. We are meeting with educational leaders from around the great state of Texas. Hear their stories and gain insights into educational leadership. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining another episode of the Educational Leadership Podcast. We have a, a very unique guest. We're, we're changing things up a little bit here. So we actually have a retired superintendent and author and consultant focused on public education. So we're going to get some very unique perspectives today. And before we introduce our guests, I want to give a shout out to our co-host, Corinne French. Hey, hey, I'm so glad to be here today. This is going yes. to be, we always, always say they're my favorite. We're favor, having a favorite episode, a special guest, <laughs> and this is going to be great. So I can't wait to get started. Thanks for being here today. And I'll let Gary go for the yeah. next one. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves, right? So um, I'm just joking. I, I was trying to come up with a rhyme because Corinne said, uh, so excited to be here today. Hey, hey, so hey, excited hey, hey. Okay, but I won't go there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. A, I don't have good rap rap songs. Um, I'm not very good at that. Anyways, give a shout out to our uh, our co our um, our sponsor. Sorry, our sponsor, Ideal Impact, is giving hundreds of millions of dollars in funding to public education, zero out of pocket, doesn't involve taxpayers. So if you are saying your school district needs funding, it's a perfect place to go to get funding really quick. And it's not just, it's not a grant, it's recurring revenue every year. Um, so anyways, talk to our sponsor if you need funding, Ideal Impact. And now let's get to our guest, Dr. Largent. Dr. Largent, thank you for joining us today. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. And and so obviously you're a friend of Corinne's. We're getting to know each other. Everybody listening in is getting to know each other, get to know you. Right. Um, so if you can share a little bit about your background and kind of, you know, your public education background, what brought you here today? Yeah, quick background, I guess. I uh, started out as a teacher coach, uh, spent most of my career in East Texas, actually, uh, teacher coach, high school assistant principal, high school principal. And then I was a superintendent for 21 years and uh, spent a total of 31 years in public education. I uh, retired from Granbury ISD about five years ago, still live here in Granbury. And, uh, you know, I retired relatively young, I would say. And so I felt like I had a lot to give back to education that uh, had, you know, been my only career and only uh, way of life, really, and since I got out of college. And so I uh, had some thoughts in my head about writing books and also really enjoy working with school boards and working with uh, educational leaders and especially aspiring leaders. And so that's kind of the the quick background, but I, I try to stay involved in education and stay up to date with what's going on and, and you know, provide a service to those folks that, that need some help along the way. Sometimes people just need a, a, a ear to hear what they're going through and maybe a perspective from someone that's probably been through a lot of those things. So that's what I try to provide. Love it. No, awesome. And and Corinne, how, how did how did y'all tell us a story there? So, so you had met or read Dr. Largent's book? Well, yes, I'm just a sucker for public ed books, of course, and, and I keep telling myself I'm not reading anything else until I finish my dissertation. But when his book first came out, well, I guess the second book came out, uh, I downloaded it and then we just, I, he has some really great concepts that I like to use when I help boards or even in my own practice when I was a trustee. 
And so, yeah, I love his book. And I, I think one of the things I love about your book, we have, usually we have superintendents and trustees on, we've had a few authors. And I always say this about their books. I love when people just keep it simple and just tell us, right? Like, don't make me have to guess what you're saying. And right. I think that's such a disservice when authors do that because then you're just like, is it poetry? You know, and this, it's just, it's, just, it's not rocket science to, to right. lead districts, but you do have some best practices in there. So I'll say one thing that I love. Um, I love when you were saying like, take a sheet of paper, fold it in half and basically like write governance and like daily operations and yeah. how simple that is. Not so simple for many trustees. Um, I think I can with confidence say that my superintendent knew that I wasn't gonna do that to him and get down in the weeds. But I don't know that I knew to do that without learning from people like you. Because the tendency would be to get down in the weeds because you feel the responsibility of leadership. So I love that about your book. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about how, like, what, how did you decide what to put in the book? <laughs> well, I write by writing outlines. And so I've kind of started this a few years ago, actually taking down notes and starting some basic outlines about what chapters and topics I may want to discuss in a book. And so really when I retired, I had a pretty good start on a, on an outline. It just took me a couple of years to put the thoughts together and obviously keep up with, with kind of what's going on currently. But uh, I did, I wanted to make it really like the, like the book says a blueprint for new mm -hmm. and aspiring leaders. And it, it, it was written from a superintendent perspective, but there is a, a big section in there about school boards and team of aid and and how to run a meeting and so I tr I think there's some benefit there to uh, anyone who is a school leader who wants to be a school leader and I think the trustees would gain a lot from the book just because they are hearing things from a superintendent's perspective but uh, you know going back to your making things simple I I think in education sometimes we make things too complicated you know we have to have this piece of technology or the latest program that comes out or the latest guru that writes this 600 page book that like you said it's a lot of poetry and we have to read between the lines what do they really mean and so I just wanted to put something out there here's a handbook read it it's simple it's common sense but unfortunately a lot of uh, superintendents a lot of school boards uh, don't do that they they make things more complicated and they get themselves into trouble because mm -hmm. they they don't follow uh, common sense practices. We didn't mention the title of the book. So will you tell us the title of the book? And then as you do that, talk about how you felt like it would be, well, tell us the title of the book and then the, the idea about leading in crisis. And I think and that's- I, ha I have to say that, I have to say the book title was actually made before COVID. So uh, it came out after COVID. So the title of the book is Leading in Chaos. And uh, the subtitle is a common sense blueprint for new and aspiring school leaders. So it it, it kind of came out at the right time when we seem to be having a lot of chaos in our public schools around the country, really. And and so the title should be catchy to a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So when we have a guest on that, I know I'm always feel bad for Gary because like I have a million questions, but I'm going to ask one more and then I promise I'll stop for a little while. Um, when, you, when we say chaos and crisis, I think a good leader who's been around for a while, this is not the first time a district has been in crisis or the world's been in crisis. We have others. If, if a district oh, yeah. went through a drug crisis or a, a hurricane or a tornado, I mean, that's a crisis. So we, 
superintendents become experts in doing right. that. So right. talk about like how, how did you have that confidence when you were a young leader and how did you get, because how did you get there? Just talk a little bit about that confidence and dealing with crisis and leading in chaos and maybe your journey. Yeah, you know, I found out and I put this in the book, actually, when I was a when I was a coach, I was the fiery, uh, real aggressive, let's win, let's work hard, let's get after it kind of guy. And I learned when I got into administration that you can't be that aggressive with people. You can't yell at people. You can't uh, have that attitude. And so I quickly learned when I became an assistant principal, really, that uh Listening has to become a big part of your leadership mm -hmm. style and really trying to be calm, especially in chaotic situations when you have school shootings or you have fires or you have vandalism or, you know, the pandemic. Uh, it's easy. It would be real easy to revert back to those days and just get mad and start screaming and running around like a chicken with her head cut off. But uh, uh, I think in those times, you really have to uh, tone it down, know that people are watching you, you are the leader, people are looking for you, looking to you for leadership. And so being able to calm it down is something that uh, I think good leaders learn along the way. And, and I certainly had to learn that. Love it. No, this makes perfect sense. So curious. So there's a lot going on in public ed right now, right? I mean, yeah. on a lot of different fronts. Right innovation, technology, politics, you know, and we won't get into some of those topics, right? Sure. Um, but just curious, what's, um, what, what are we looking into the future that, I mean, obviously you're involved in, with public education from a lot of different, different um, angles, involvements, experiences, that sort of thing. And what, what do you anticipate the changes uh, coming up in education to be? You know, I, I think some of the changes are going to be due to legislation where we don't have any choice. You have to make some changes when it comes to school safety and curriculum and maybe even topics like books in our libraries. You know, we schools may not have a lot of choice in that because there may be legislation that dictates what we do, like like we've seen some of that in the past. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I see a, a trend back to uh honestly, more basic education. Let's, let's make sure our kids have a real foundation of learning, especially in the elementary schools. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, material out there, programs out there and workshop based and project based and, and those things can be good. Uh, but I think I'm hearing parents more and more say, you know, we want our kids to really have a great foundation in, in the fundamentals of education and, and that other stuff, you know, we may, we may want to experiment with some of that or use it partially during the year, but we want to make sure our kids are, are on the level they should be on. And I, I think that's a, that's not a bad thing. Oh, I, like, I like that. And so there's been a lot of changes in public education over the years, right, with different innovations that come out and you think about social media and the impact that had on public education. Um, it seemed like, I could be wrong, uh, it seemed like at first there was some hesitance and then over time, public education really started embracing it, right? So now you see a, all kinds of Twitter posts and, and things from right. different different entities. And 
when the pandemic hit, there was a leveling up on the technology side, right? So, um, and, and and I get it. Sometimes it's hard to make change, especially with, you know, big organizations, right? It's hard to make things change, make changes right. fast. Um, now, and, and and you, I'm not sure what your knowledge is on this topic. And this is not, the, these questions are not pre-scripted and planned sure. and all this. But right now, there's been a big um, ripple in technology artificial intelligence right so yeah chat gpt that's one thing and i'm hearing some talk about that and some of the articles i've read on public ed recently and basically if you don't know what chat gpt is uh, for those listening in it's art it's like google but google on steroids basically where you go and you instead of getting a list of uh, articles you can read on a topic it gives you a direct answer you could you could give it you know 15 different variables happening in your life ask it for its recommendation and it will give you a uh an answer right it'll give you a very yeah. specific answer so any idea and i know we have no idea what's going to happen but just any idea what kind of impact that could happen on public ed you know obviously at first there's gonna be a lot of resistance like oh wow this is gonna you know kids are gonna be writing their papers with this and all <laughs> right <laughs> but ultimately it's a tool right? It's a tool that, that you can use. And so any ideas on, on what that may look like in the next few years? Well, I think it goes back to we're, we're training kids to for a future where we don't even know what their jobs are going to be because it changes so much. So uh, the whole chat GPT issue is something that, uh, you know, you can certainly see some benefits to, but you also see, I mean, it pretty much does away with homework. I mean, why would you, you know, you send home a kid with homework, write a five-page paper and and their homework is go to chat GPT and say, write me a five page paper on whatever the subject is and, and it's done for you. So to me, that makes the uh, in-class instruction much more important so that mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about those external uh, uh, technology things that, that are available now. But, uh, you know, I, th I think it's probably just a tipping point of, of where we're going with that. You know, you may get into uh artificial intelligence instructors at some point where uh, there may just be an aide in the classroom and you've got an artificial intelligence leading the class. I mean, I can honestly see that in the future. Uh, so and we may not be too many years away from, from some of that. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's why it's so critical that we have those kids with a base of learning and, and, and especially teach them to critically think. So how do you use something like this new technology? How would it be beneficial to tech to a uh, society? And, uh, you know, I'll go back to social media real quick because you, you made the statement that schools kind of have embraced social media. And I, <laughs> I would push back a little bit on that because I, I think schools have responded with social media because they had to, because mm -hmm. it became so easy for, a disgruntled parent or teacher or administrator to just jump on social media and write something that may or may not be 100% true and in fact may be 99% false and so schools are having to respond to that and so I think schools have gotten uh, better at keeping keeping parents informed about what's really going on in the schools and, and using social media as a way to get in front of those issues that, that may be uh, negatives out in the community. So, uh, but, but you're right. It's, it's certainly become a tool that every school has to use in some way. 
and some do it better than others. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just saying, I, I think it's what's hard for me now that I'm not no longer a trustee and I'm watching superintendents and trustees, it's hard to it's hard to be good at everything. Yeah. So if you are really great at leadership, you might not be really great at social media. And so I think it's this, or if you're, if a district is doing a really good job in maybe 90% of the areas, but then they're not great at communications and they might, so I think it's just, it's hard because I think COVID, we all had to do everything online. So almost all of us were forced. And like to what you were saying, Jim, about like be, way before COVID, people were using yeah. social media, maybe putting negative information, but the, the balancing of all that, I think, is what's really hard. I want to take us to a place with something that you we kind of mentioned already, and then there's a part of the end of the book that you use this. I think this is what I want to get all my, my friends that are in my doc program right now that are thinking of being a superintendent. So one, you talked about earlier, like when you're the leader, you've got to be able to handle when a school shooting happens, you can't be screaming, well, I, I knew this was going to happen someday or this shouldn't have happened. Like you have to be it. You've got, you've got to keep it together. And I'm thinking about when one of my sons had a concussion and I was holding them and I was just like telling everybody what to do. And someone's like, I can't believe that you weren't freaking out. And yeah. I was like, oh, I was going to freak out. I just <laughs> knew that in that moment, everything mattered. So right. it doesn't mean we don't, we're not affected. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt us. It doesn't mean we're not mad, angry. Just at that moment, we've got to keep it together. Yeah. And so I think you did a good job of explaining that. And just in a, in real terms, but in the back of the book, you give basic you gave a give a blueprint for people that want to be leaders, and I think that's important because it's hard to balance everything that you need to do to get to your next step. And I I'm I'm going to stop using the word balance because balance would also mean like mean that you care so much about being a superintendent and moving to that space that you might not take care of another area, and that's not what happens. So will you talk a little bit about how just to blend it all? and stay emotionally healthy in the process. And I'm, I don't, we didn't, again, we're not asking, we didn't, we're not asking questions to trip you up any, but, but I think you have 31 years. That's a success story. And so how, what words of encouragement do you have for people who are maybe freaking out, you know, like school yeah. shootings are terrible. Sure. All this, all this stuff that's happening politically, it's hard. So what kind of advice do you have to help them blend through and stay emotionally healthy as they move well, up the leadership ladder? I think part of it is some people, I mean, it's a very unique job. There are only a thousand superintendents in the state of Texas. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty unique situation. And the, the book was written for primarily superintendents, but also people that want to get into upper administration in schools. So they could use this as well. But I wanted to just lay out a blueprint, a blueprint. Here's what you do if you want to advance in this career. Uh, here's how you uh, look for jobs that you're a fit for. Don't apply for jobs that you're not uh, suited for. You know, if you're a if you're a third grade uh, elementary PE teacher, you're probably not going to be a candidate for a five A superintendent's job right now. So don't, <laughs> don't waste anybody's time by applying for that. But we talk about that. Then we talk about even as much as writing a letter uh, of introduction when you send in your resume, make your resume stand out, how to sequence the resume, how to go through the interview process. Uh, and I got a lot of that, honestly, from sitting in on hundreds of interviews over my career and seeing how not to do it as, as much as I've seen how to do it. You know, people come into 
interview for jobs and and you ask them about the campus where they want to be the principal and they've never even been there. They haven't seen it. They didn't drive by it. They didn't do a simple <laughs> search to see how many students were there. And right. so, you know, just simple. Again, it goes back to simple common sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but I tried to put together a chapter that if people would follow that blueprint, they, they would have a better opportunity to get in the door for an interview, which is the, the main goal. Uh, you know, if you can't get an interview, you certainly can't get the job. So I tried to help them uh, come up with ways to at least get in the room with the board or, or the committee or whoever's doing the hiring and uh, give them the best chance for success there. It's great. I definitely recommend it. And I'm letting everyone know, all my colleagues in my courses, I know we we never have enough time with our guests. So I am going to have, I'm sure Gary has, I know Gary has the final question. And so right. I want to just thank you for those 31 years of service. Thank you for a book that is helpful to my colleagues that are in my SMU coursework. And the, also my colleagues across the state that are still trustees. Um, we care so deeply about the students in our state. And it's wonderful to have friends like you that are still doing great work. So thank you, Corinne. Thank I appreciate you. that. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, so excited to have you on the podcast today, and thank you for sharing your perspective on public education with your experience and, and knowledge. Um, so we got the last question here. This is going to be a tough one. This is I'm just giving you a heads up. We, you know, this one just gonna cut be... out on me. I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Hello? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Yeah, it is kind of kind of breaking up a little bit. That right before the right before the main question things went quiet i know i think he might have froze over i think i can see you i'm moving so you can see if i'm moving can you see me yes yes i can hear you i can hear you corinne um we'll just give it a minute or so and uh you know we're having some technical difficulties if we need to close out we will um oh, there we go oh well you know what we can do Wait, wait, I think, I think we got, I think he's uh, rejoining us. Are you there? Yes. Yay! I'm sorry, okay. right in the middle of your question, both of you just froze up on me. No, I, no that works. That's the way it works, right? <laughs> right. The, the good questions, we had to create a little suspense there. So. There you go. <laughs> no, we did not. <laughs> so, yeah, we had to drop, drop you out of the meeting. And now that we there have we him go. back, um, <laughs> I should have a little commercial break in there or something. Okay, last question. All right. What leader in public education would you recommend come on here and share their story? Oh, wow. Uh, well, you've already had one of my favorites in uh, Dr. John Kuhn over at Mineral Well. He's a he's a gem. Uh, you know, there are so many great leaders around. Uh, golly, if you could get Mike Moses on, I think he would be wonderful to talk to and, and provide some perspective from someone who's been a superintendent at a lot of different schools and, and as well as uh, worked in the university and then was a commissioner of education at one time. So I know he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but if you could get him on, he would probably provide you some really good information. Love it. Okay. We will definitely reach out to them and I know we're running short on time. So just want to thank you, Corinne, for co-hosting and mm -hmm. Dr. Largent. Thank you so much for being on today. And before we close out, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, one more time, I do impacts, giving funding to districts. Every district needs funding. 
there's, there's always a need for funding, right? And any district that says, hey, I, I can't use any more money, come on. There, there, right. there's, a, there's a student or teacher or someone there that can use more funds. So reach out to our sponsor, I Do Impact. It's a very easy process to get funding, no strings attached. And um, for those of you all that have been tuning in, stay tuned for future episodes of the Educational Leadership Podcast.